podcast hour and boy did i miss you guys and hopefully you missed me i took a much needed break and got in some beach time some family time more beach time and some real relaxation i needed it but now i'm back ready to deliver some good podcasts some entertaining content i believe you will enjoy on the banging podcast today, I have the current North American Boxing Federation lightweight champion and the current Universal Boxing Organization international lightweight boxing champion, Noel the Holy Fire Echeverria. He joins us to passionately discuss his career and his upcoming world title fight on August 14th. I believe you're going to enjoy him and quickly become a fan. The young man works hard, he takes chances, and he's overcome some serious adversity. And he deserves to be a world champion. Today's banging podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Yes Palettes. Yes Palettes is the palette removal, waste removal, and recycling removal company that places risk mitigation. OSHA compliance, and customer-obsessed service first. They can upscale at a moment's notice and remove barriers to provide you with a safe and clean work environment. Welcome back. Thank you for coming back and listening to the podcast. Make sure you're following the Chris Williams Podcast Hour on social media. You can follow the podcast on both IG and Twitter at the Chris Will Pod. And on Facebook, it is simply the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. I've said this before, and I'm saying it again. All our podcasts are good. So enjoy the content you are familiar with and try the unknown. You will learn something from it. And more importantly, you'll get hooked. Welcome back, and here we go. This is the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. I made a promise to God. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest to God. Promise to God. 
Welcome back to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. And today I have the current North American Boxing Federation lightweight champion and the current Universal Boxing Organization international lightweight champion who on August 14th will be fighting for his first world title. Please help me welcome to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour the champion who firmly believes and lives by the scripture, Hebrews 12, verse 29, which says, for our God is a consuming fire. Please help me welcome to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour, Mr. Noel, the Holy Fire, Echeverria. Noel, welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey, how you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And, and Noel, thank you for coming on the Chris Williams Podcast Hour to share your story. And as, a, as I tell all my guests, this podcast does not work unless you're willing to share your stories and shamelessly plug yourself. So feel free to brag on your career. Oh, that ain't hard to do. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Let's start here, Noel. I want to start this podcast by discussing your nickname, the Holy Fire, and how that came about. Uh, well, my first, my first uh, nickname in, in, as a as a pro boxer was uh, Shut Up. So, a lot of people didn't really like that over the years. I didn't really care too much, but you know, after after my whole spiritual switch, I had to change the name to make it more appropriate to God. You know. Okay. Okay. So All I right. came up with. We ended up coming up with uh, the holy. Well, I did. I ended up coming up with the holy fire. There's a few other names that we had in mind, but that one was best suitable. Okay. All right. So you mentioned the holy fire. So, and I mentioned in the opening of the podcast, your intro, that you live by and believe in the scripture, Hebrews twelve verse twenty nine, which says, "For our God is a consuming fire." So, in your own words, what does that mean to you? In my words, I would say that my God being a consuming fire. He's just he never ends. He always never gives up. He always keeps going. Um, a person that a person that believes and has the same kind of faith will also do the same. Even when you fail and you fall, you always get up and you keep going. You keep pushing, and that's that fire that's inside of a person that always keeps him motivated. Okay. Okay. All right. And and as we get a, go along in the podcast, people will understand a little bit more about your fire because you've you've been through some adversity and you've overcome to, you know, the position that you're in right now. But I don't want to jump ahead. So let's say so you were born in Guayama, Puerto Rico. Is that Guayama? Guayama, Puerto Rico. And you and uh-huh. your family moved to York, Pennsylvania. So. Now, during your early upbringing, there was a little. It was a little different from where you are as a man today. So, discuss your upbringing and your family, and just talk a little bit about some of the adversity that you faced. <laughs> yeah, we'll summarize it. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> Write a whole book. That's on fine. That. That's fine. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so we, we my my parents moved us to to York, Pennsylvania. When we came from, from Puerto Rico, it was roughly about like five or six. I don't exactly remember how old I was. Um, but being so young, I was uh, I was I was a rebellious youngster, and ended up fa- falling in love with the streets. Um, or I guess you could you could just say it was uh, falling in lust because it wasn't real love. Not in my opinion, it's not real love, anyways. Um, you, uh, you, a person going through that kind of lifestyle, I did. I sold drugs um, at a young age. I was introduced into the games around eight, nine, eight, nine, and skipping school. I mean, I've done all kinds of stuff. I ain't going to sit okay. here and brag about all the bad stuff that I did, but okay. it was tough. But, it was tough as a young man. Um, as a young man, I didn't really, I, I, didn't, I didn't listen to my father, which I should have. Uh, you know, being, being able to listen to, listen to a lot of what he, a lot of his upbringing made a lot of sense now. As a man that I am now, it made sense. It didn't make sense to me then. Because I was, I, I enjoyed the rebellious life. Um, well, yeah. When we moved down here to North Carolina, it was um, the streets was easy down here than it was in York. <laughs> so now, I when you like, say it was easy, what, what do you mean by that? And the uh, the heart people's hearts down here is a lot different. Like up and up north, the, I had friends die left and right. Uh, you know, we, we everybody's killing each other. I fortunately made it out in one piece, but not without trauma. <laughs> okay. Um, but when okay. I came, when I come down here, the heart, everybody's heart, it, it was weak. So it was easy to run over everybody. Okay. All right. And, and like you said, you were caught up in gangs early on. So and you said you were around eight, nine. So how did you end up getting out of that life? And how did it lead you to boxing? Um, getting out of it was... um. Not exactly sure. It was, it was kind of like it was kind of like a it was a transition. I stayed away more and more and more from even coming down here. I stayed away from I stayed away from the bad from bad people. Even though I was doing bad things on my own, I was able I was able to more independently be my own person instead of be so infatuated with uh, with the whole air, being around a crew of people, you know, a crew of a whole lot of people all the time. That kind of got boring. So I, I started sticking to myself. I started sticking to myself down here. You know, I, I did smoke weed and I, I did, you know, all this other drugs, coke, I was on heroin for one, for a long time too, um, 
But I did it on my own because I got tired of I get it got I got tired of being around a bunch of people that ain't around you, but for the wrong reasons. Uh, then after I after I started separating myself from after I started separating myself from the world, I had to separate myself from my older self. And where I was doing all the drugs and stuff, I had to get rid of that. And once I was able to get rid of that, which it sounds like it was easy, but it wasn't. It wasn't easy. It took a long time. And I'm 30 now, and I just got over the hump in 2015. So, okay, so that was a long fight. That was a big fight that you had, and that was actually going on while you were a pro boxer, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was smoking so, weed and stuff while while I was uh my first few pro fights, smoking weed even right before even right before the fights, I will roll a blunt or something and go out there and fight. Tayshawn, wow. Tayshawn, my second fight, Tayshawn Autry. He he he's all right. He he's on a he's on a winning streak right now, but back then he went on a winning streak and he he ended up dropping me one time because I was high. <laughs> oh wow, wow! wow. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. crazy. Yeah, I ended up stopping yeah. him in the same round, but yeah, he, I, he shouldn't have been able to touch me like that. Okay, but it was a slip up because you were you were under the influence, right? Correct. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now I know. So we're not going to glamorize what you did, um, but it's part of your makeup. It's part of who you are today. So you kind of have to wear that with a badge of honor because you've overcome that. So and I just want a little bit more detail so that people who are listening, there might be a youngster out there who's in a similar situation who might look at you and say, "Well, he's not, he doesn't have as bad as I do." But talk about what it was like, like your lowest of lows during that period. All right, All right I'll get a little deep into it. So, so for those that are out there that that believe that that they don't that they have it rough than more rough than others, well, you got to think about me like this. When I had, well, I had my daughter. I had my daughter. She, I ended up having to leave my daughter because of the bad influences that I had around me. So after I left her, I left I left her with her mother, and I I I went out tried to I tried to change my lifestyle. I moved to Texas from North Carolina to Texas. So I, once I got there, once I got there, I ended up being homeless. Yeah. Homeless in Texas is is not really that fun. Yeah, you, you you get ate up by mosquitoes, and you 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 got you got a lot of different random people that you don't really know, and you ain't got nowhere to go. You you can't even go back to your mother's house. And you gotta sleep under these little light posts so that way nothing comes nothing comes at you. Wow. Then you come back here. Then you come back here. Because you that 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 didn't work that didn't work out there, so you come back, 
you come back to a place where you think that everything's going to be okay, but it really isn't. It's even worse because now you come back to you come back. You ain't got no home. You ain't got nowhere. You ain't got nowhere to go. All right. Depression kicks in. I'm already bipolar. Uh, I, I'm. Um, they have me. They have me mentally. Uh, mentally retarded. Um, if you look at in the in the um at my records. Um, bipolar level two, got PTSD and all this other garbage, right? So having that kind of depression when you come back, it, it's even harder on you. You don't, you you can't. Your 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 ex, your ex doesn't want you to see your daughter because the person that you are and who you become, uh, you're walking around pretty much like like a zombie. A, a drone. You, you go back to drugs. You go back to your drugs. Then you lose your life for a few hours. Uh, in 2015, I died on Friday, and they resuscitated me. And then, wow. yeah, I they brought me back to life after a few hours, and then I was in a coma and woke up out of the coma on a Sunday. Then you get out of that. They let you go. They put you. Well, they don't let you go. They let you go from the hospital into a mental institution. And then you go to the mental institution. I was in there for a few months. For a few months, a couple months. Uh, exactly. Remember. Then you you feel like you still you still have a you still have a purpose to do, but you don't know how to get back to it. You don't want to go back to the gangs. You don't want to go back to the drugs. So you start the transition. Then you cry out at a at a at a low point in in life. You cry out. You're living outside in a in the woods in a tent. I was living outside in the woods in a tent. And you cry out to God, and He answers. What do you do then? How does he answer? He doesn't answer by he didn't answer me by yo son uh, here you got to turn your stuff around you know he made it he made it to the point where I had to he gave me the doors he gave me the doors but I had to walk through them and once I walked through those doors then things started to look up and I kept training I never stopped training then I. I just all of a sudden quit smoking. And I quit doing. I quit taking my medications. I quit doing all the drugs that I was doing. Just cold turkey one day, boom, stop. It's like four years ago, five years ago now, something like that. Like five, five, four or five years ago, just cold turkey stop. That's when God started putting more people in my life, and then he started. He started. He started, he got me a car. I got a car. I started living out of my car instead of my tent. <laughs> I started living out of my car. And then uh, I had two jobs, still going to the gym, working my two jobs. I was working third shift and first shift. Then I had a little bit of time between second shift to train. Then 
then he you don't stop so he keeps so he go ahead so he go ahead and he blesses you and then he blesses you more the more that you the more that you do the more that he does and that was that was the that was the greatest gift that I've ever had so I stuck with it because it worked okay. right yeah. right so once okay. it started working I kept doing it and then I was I told him I was like yo I'm lonely like this, this this is cool and all, but I'm still lonely, and I don't want to be out here doing wrongful things with women and stuff. Because I, I changed, I changed, I had ended up changing, so I didn't want to do that anymore either. So one day I was training at a, at the old gym that I was at, and I met my wife. Not didn't know that she was my wife at the moment, but. And I was sitting here running behind this woman, and I'm like, man, there ain't no way, Lord. You know, because the person that I was, she's like, she's like the complete opposite. You know, she was she was raised in 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 the kind of white neighborhoods and stuff. You know, and I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> I don't know how this gonna happen, but all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so we ended up. We ended up. Long story short, got together, got married, and now I'm here trying, trying to, trying to be a, um, trying to be a mentor. Cause I train, I train other these other little these little uh, Mexicans. Um, I train them. I got four of them now. At they're young, ten, eleven, one's fifteen, and um, I'm trying to train them, mentor them the same the same way that I would have wanted to be mentored when I was younger, and the way that I should have been mentored. So I trained them hard too, and they 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 are getting it, and it's a it's a it's an amazing feeling to be able to help out the youth like that. And I, I don't sugarcoat nothing. And that that feeling when when they listen, that's what that's what that's that's what it's all about for me to see the the younger generation that's a softer generation than where I come up. That's to see them actually work through the hard the hardship that I the hard love that I give. And okay. Okay. That's awesome. You went through hell so that you could help them. So and that's the way I'm looking at it. So you had to go through all that, learn these hard lessons. Unfortunately, you know, you've been through some stuff, but the amount of wisdom that you could pass on to these younger guys, mentoring, that's that's an amazing feat. So kudos to you for that. So how did you get into boxing? <laughs> getting in the box. Well, I kept getting, I kept getting suspended from school. <laughs> I, I kept getting suspended, and one of my friends' mother, uh, she, cause I was, I was, I might as well should have been called the troublemaker back then, because that's all I was doing was creating trouble. And she, she, she was, man, that lady, she was like, man, you need to take your butt to the gym. And start doing something with yourself instead of being out here always all the time fighting. I was like, "What? The boxing gym? You mean like 
Mike Tyson and Tino Trinidad and all them? She's like, yeah. I was like, oh, oh, well, shoot. I need to find one of those. <laughs> and, and then, so my one of my one of when I was living with my mother in Winston, she um she had a a a a, a guy named Kevin Hill, who I would every once in a while go. I would skip school and stuff and go to work with him. So when I well when I dropped out of school. I was skipping school, and then I was like, yeah, I ain't going back. So I just I just dropped out. I didn't even go back to school. And um, I think I was 14, something like that, like late 13, early 14. Yeah. They're going to – I was going to work with him, and – He's like, yeah. So if I take you to the boxing gym, cause I was talking, we were talking about this boxing thing. He's like, so if I start taking you to the boxing gym, you stay out of trouble. I was like, what? Sure. <laughs> I'm like, uh, sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so he took me to the gym, and man, what a uh, 14th Street Rec Center. And man, I stayed there. I man, I was like, man, this is alright. So I kept training. Okay. I kept training, and then it was like they had they had put me in there. I sparred with this guy. My second, my second, um, my second week in, in training there. You know, me, I had a mouth. That's why they called me shut up because I had a mouth at first, and then I wouldn't shut up. I was just talking garbage to everybody, and uh, I backed it up though, obviously. But this dude, this dude, they put me in there. With a pro, he had he wasn't any good, but I mean he's a pro. He had pro experience. <laughs> Beating me up, like <laughs> oh, wow. I was like, hold on a second, man. This dude just whooped my face. Oh man, I was like, oh, I got I got to learn what you you know. So I ended up. I end up training every day, every day, and then I leave where where 14th Street is. Everybody smokes weed there, so you leave, and then you know you roll blunt. You leave and roll blunt. So I'm like, all right, that's cool. So shoot, I could do I could do bison and then leave, smoke some weed. Too. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> so so I stayed there for about six months, and then six months passed. It's like yeah, about six, seven months. Man, I put a beating on that same on the same dude that beat me up. Oh man, I beat him up so bad. Ended up knocking him out. I was like, oh yeah, all right, I like this. And then you know had everybody jumping and stuff and in the gym, like crowded around cheering us or cheering me on. I'm like, all right, yeah, I like this. I I ain't, I could fight and not get in trouble with it. I could beat people up. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I'm cool. <laughs> Just kept so I kept doing it, kept doing it, and dropped out of school and start. Uh, I was living in my mom's. Uh, in, in my mom's van, she ended up letting me use her van to get back and forth. And I was sleeping in the van next to the gym. 
going training, waking up, running. I ended up I stopped smoking weed for like a couple of years, about two years, okay. and got in. And then I started fighting when I was like eighteen. Then once I got a few fights and got a few fights, and I became the 2010 Junior Olympic champion. I think it is. Check it yes. right there. <laughs> yes. 2010, you won the Junior Olympics. So yep. describe that accomplishment because that's huge, especially with the Olympics going on right now, right? So the Junior Olympic champion. So describe that accomplishment and who were some of the people that you had to beat to earn that? Um, man, I can't remember any of the names, but I ended up fighting. I fought a couple guys that had like 40 and 50 fights, and it was my fifth, my fourth and fifth fight, I believe. It's like, and now I just went open. Yeah, uh-huh. It was my fifth fight and my fifth and sixth fight. I just went open, open class from novice. You know, novice, you could go open. From, that novice is two two-minute rounds, two, three two-minute mm-hmm. rounds, and then when you go open, you do your three three-minute rounds. Um. Yeah, that was uh, my first open tournament, and everybody saw every me. This dude, they're like, man, this dude from this dude from Winston Salem coming down here fighting in the Junior Olympics. You know, oh, we're just gonna set him up with these guys, and I ended up knocking them off, and they ain't like that. <laughs> yeah, they ain't like that at all. The judges, the judges, the the promoters, they're like, oh, man, this dude came down here and started beating on everybody. Oh, man. And that's when when Coach Clifford Hardy started calling me shut up because he was like, first you couldn't shut up. You was all the time talking. And then everybody started talking about you. You started shutting everybody else up. I was like, oh, yeah, I like like that. So that one grew on me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that one grew with me, and then so they, I was, I was supposed to end up going to the 2012 uh, Olympic trials, but then they robbed me. They robbed me because I fought, um, I fought this guy with a hundred some fights. I can't Willie Willie Jones or something like that. Yeah, he, he had a lot of fights. So my first fight in the state tournament. I beat this dude uh, from Wilmington. He had like forty some wins and ten losses or something like that. And so I ended up beating him. And then I was supposed to advance to regionals. And I was uh, I, when I was supposed to advance to regionals, they um they set me up with this guy. They set me up with Willie Jones yet, but they set me up with this guy at 132 pounds who had, he had, they disqualified him the next day because he had some kind of heart issue. Uh, I don't exactly remember what it was, but he had some kind of, uh, it was like a heartbeat issue. And uh, so I was supposed to advance. So me, Cliff, and all, everybody, I'm like, oh, yeah, we about to go to regionals. All right, so they started, ended up, I started talking to a guy just like this here, like we're talking, so they can put me in a press or whatnot. And so they come back after, man, I done ate the steak, I done ate steak, I done ate all kind of stuff, right? 
they're like, no, we gave the guy a second chance, and we're just going to let him fight. We're going to let you guys fight. I'm like, what? Uh, all right. All right, cool, whatever. So I ended up coming over there. I, I ended up getting in there, and we started fighting. Dude didn't hit me but one time. He hit me one time. The referee gave me an eight count. I'm like, hold on a second. I was like, oh, man, I already knew it was about to happen. So I looked at Cliff. I'm like, man, he's like, calm down, calm down. I'm like, man, what do you mean calm down? They about to try to rob me here. So I ended up beating this guy from one corner, from the white corner to the red corner to the other white corner. <laughs> then they finally gave him a they gave him a standing eight count. I had him bent over. He was about to drop. So they stopped us and gave him a standing eight count. Dude come back, hit me two more times. He hit me two times. Didn't even hurt me or anything, but, you know, you get hit. So he caught me two times. The referee gave me another eight count. And all three of the rounds, they gave me an eight count. So I lost by, by – I, I still lost by split decision, which made no sense. But they robbed me from going into, to regionals. The same guy they robbed that, – that same guy went to regionals, got knocked down in the first round. Oh. I was like, oh man, just because just cause they didn't like us. When, they don't like they ain't, they ain't never like us Winston Salem boys. So I'm okay. like, all right, that's all right. I'm gonna go pro. And then Cliff didn't like that. He was like, it. Cliff always it. Cliff and Hardy's dream goal is always to have an Olympian, and he 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 saw that in me. But I was like, nah, I'm too impatient. Ain't got time for that. So I went oh, pro. <laughs> and I went yeah. pro. In my first pro fight, these guys, they they brought me a guy with zero wins and five losses. I told no, nah, I said, no, nah, I ain't going, uh-uh. I won't fight no bum like that. And so they was like, well, we got this guy. He's 2-0 with two knockouts. He knocked two left-handers out. I was like, yeah, I'll take him. <laughs> They're like, what? You're Southpaw too, so he knows how to fight Southpaws really well. He's not his two Southpaws out that he's fought. I'm like, man, yeah, yeah. So if I'm good, if I'm really good at this, then I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna win. And they're like, man, this guy's crazy. So the promoter set us up, and we, me, me, and I start. This is when I start training with Danny Akers. He was uh, he was a two time world champion in his day. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, yeah. So we started training. We started training, training. We had a four, nice little four week camp, and I went in there and beat Michael Whitaker two and zero, two knockouts. Beat him up, unanimous decision. And uh, everybody's like, man, I had everybody trying to sign me then. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you, because you started your pro career on fire. So, you, mm-hmm. like you said, you won your debut, but you won 11 in a row. You started 11-0, yeah. and, and like you said, you had the boxing world at your hands. You were on fire. So, you end up. After that, after the 11 wins, you end up getting six high-profile fights. And I, and I guess because of what we talked about earlier, you know, the drug use, 
the heroin, which I, I did not know that heroin was part of this with you, and somehow you yeah, overcame yeah. that. But, you know, talk about, like, you go 11-0, and 0, you're getting all this attention, you're, you're dedicated to the game, but yet you're still dabbling with, you know, the other stuff. So what was happening to you? Well, I mean, what was the call like, like that addiction or, or whatever it was that kept you from just saying, okay, I'm 11 and 0, I'm a superstar, I'm a rising superstar, everybody knows who I am. What kept you from just going to that side and saying, I'm just giving my all to boxing? Man, I, I don't really know, to be honest. I, don't, I, I just switched. I'm, you know what? Matter of fact, I do know. It was it was coming back here. When I came back here in North Carolina, I had signed with some. I had signed with somebody that I shouldn't have, and he started to take advantage of me. And he wasn't. He didn't help. He didn't help me out at all. He said that he, he all the stuff that he said he was gonna do. He start. He started. He didn't do any of it, so we ended up. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think. This is so long ago. We had a, we had a, we had a fallout, and I had. Oh yeah, because I had him as my manager, and then I had a co-manager. I had a co-manager who was helping us out with the cause of my fights, and then. He ended up backing out because, um, old boy, I ain't gonna say his name. So okay, we'll call him T. So T, uh, he uh, he wanted me to get some big fights, some bigger fights, and I feel I felt like I was ready for those bigger fights. Uh, so. When when my co-manager when my co-manager backed out, I had gotten um I had gotten some kind of I had gotten some kind of altercation with my manager, and I'm like, man, forget this. All y'all ain't doing nothing but trying to hold me down. So I went and I went and smoked some weed, and that's when I started smoking weed again. It was like I was two years clean. I stopped smoking weed for two years, and then I went back to it when I was eleven and zero, and I got into that altercation. I started smoking, and I I enjoyed it, and that's when it really that's when I really started. That's when my decline really started. And then okay. when when I started smoking weed again, I then I stopped training. And then I stopped training. I mean, I would maybe train twice a week. And I was for some reason though I didn't stop running. I never stopped running, but I stopped training. I would smoke a blunt and go run six miles. <laughs> wow. I do some yeah, I do some coke and go run eight miles. It was it was weird, uh, but it was it's ineffective when you're doing that because your lungs ain't getting any stronger. And that's the whole point of running. The whole point of running is for your lungs to get stronger, it make it easier to breathe, which never happened. Then I took a fight with um, Emmanuel Gonzalez out of New York, went out there to New York, 
ended up uh I was uh right before right before the fight I was I snorted a couple lines of some coke. Uh had smoked some weed that morning. What and went in there uh, I was thinking that I'm like, Yeah, he ain't gonna whoop me. This guy uh I'm a, I'm gonna beat him up, never beat him up. Uh, I did almost knock him out in the fourth round but it wasn't enough. I didn't do enough to win. So I come back, that was my first loss and come back to North Carolina and it was it was, uh, it was downhill, super downhill. Like I got back to my the friends that I was hanging out with. Got back around them, started started snorting coke every single day, daggone. Then they're like that stopped working. So I'm like, uh, what else can we do? I ain't these oxys that I was taking, they're no good. These snorting the oxys and stuff, that wasn't it it didn't do anything, it didn't affect me, you know. So my boy's like, well, got this boy. I'm like, boy, what the heck is boy? Uh, he's like, ah, oh, here, it's just this brown stuff. Just snort that. So I snorted that. So boy, boy is heroin, and is a powder heroin. So I snorted that, and I was like, oh my god, passed out like. Like uh, I was like in a corner. I don't even remember how I got in a corner in the corner, but I remember waking up out the corner. Like what in the world just happened? So I got on that. I started doing that. Then I fought Kevin Farmer. Mm-hmm. I fought Kevin Farmer. Then uh, went eight rounds with him. Almost knocked him out in the first in the third round. If I would have knocked him out, I think it would have been worse. <laughs> if I would have knocked oh, wow. him out. Uh, wow. I, I had him I had him slumped over. I caught him with an uppercut, a left uppercut, and broke my hand. Caught him with a right hook, broke my hand. In the third round, fought the rest of the fight. I, I didn't give up, though. I fought the rest of the fight, all eight rounds. And then I was, was going to mention that because you – You've been in the ring with six killers, like Oscar Valdez, who is probably one of the hottest fighters in the sport right now. Tevin Farmer, yeah. you mentioned him. Pat Hyland, Rod Salka, just to name a few. But you held your own for the most part with all of them. So oh, it's yeah. got to make you. It's got to make you look back on it and just be like, "Damn, man, why? You know, I, I just." Why did I do this stuff? And at the time, you like you said, you were addicted. You were into that. It, it gave you another high. Um, you were feeding off of that. So, but you you look back and you gotta you gotta just be shaking your head. So, looking back and knowing what you know now, what advice would you give a fighter or any athlete that's in the same position or was in the same position that you were in at that time? What advice would you give them? Man, I would say I would say to to always stick to the people that care about you, and the people that care about you aren't the ones that are trying to that, that are trying to um to to raise your spirits. The people that really care about you is the ones that are hard on you, that like saying no, stay away from them people. Like if you're hanging around these kind of bad people or these the people that that. That you know aren't no, no, aren't any good for you, 
you got to stay away from them because the people that do care about you, they're the ones that are telling you that you need to stay away from those people. Keep, keep training, keep training, keep training. You're going to have some good days and you're going to have some bad days. You might have some bad weeks, but as long as you keep training, keep training, you're going to get to the, you're going to get to the spot that you need to be at. And you're gonna you're you're gonna succeed when you get there. You're not gonna get there, and then you you're gonna fail like most people do. That like I did. Yeah, I, I got up there. I got into that spotlight, and I wasn't prepared for it, but I forced it anyways, and uh and, and I failed at it. So that's the advice that I would give any any person that is in that situation to always hold on to the to hold on to the advice that the people that really truly care about you are giving you because everybody out here is going to fill your head up. It, everybody's going to fill the head, your head with, with all kind of nonsense. Like you're the greatest, you're the this, you're the that, but that's not really true until you prove it, you know? And that's another thing that I, I never really understand. I, I never understood is that, oh, everybody's out here saying that they don't have to prove anything to nobody. Oh, yes, you do. You have to prove, you have to prove that you're worth, you're worth spending time, business, and money on because nobody wants to lose. And, and if you say that you don't have nothing to prove, then you already lost to yourself. Wow. That's, that is profound. That's prophetic as well. I like that. So, mm-hmm. all right. So we we start we started the podcast, you know, at, at faith. We returned to faith because you described how your faith brought you out of all that the darkness. So, and then here we are today. So you've had you're having an impact on the the kids in your community. You know that motivates you. But we're here today, and on August fourteenth. You step into the ring to battle for the Universal Boxing Organization World Lightweight title. Not a fringe title, not, you know, but a world title. So what was your reaction when that opportunity was presented to you? Man, like, man, oh, man. 12 rounds? I'm about, I just got scheduled 12 rounds for a world title. That that's that's that that's exactly what happened. I was like, man. <laughs> if you can see my face right now, look, I can't even sit down when I sit there. I had to stand up. <laughs> I like that. So how so how is that excitement that that how has it motivated you for this camp, and how has training camp been? Camp has been. It has been terrific. Like uh, I, I'm gonna be honest, it was terrifically horrible. Like it, if hurt is a thing that is ongoing, this camp is it. Like man. So my my coach Danny Akers had had he had a um he had a heart some kind of heart uh injury, so he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't come train me at the house you know i train at the house now i don't have a gym so i train in the garage we turn my garage into a gym okay so 
Danny couldn't. Danny couldn't come because he had this heart problem. They had he had to have heart surgery. So I told my dad, whom my dad I used to I used to despise my dad when I was younger, you know, because he 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 was he was hard on me. He cared about me, but I didn't I didn't care enough to I didn't have enough wisdom to know that he he was being hard on me because he cared for me, you know. Mm-hmm. So. I brought him back. I'm like, look, Pops, I need you in my corner. <laughs> so he's like, what? I was like, yeah, I need you in my corner. I got these big fights coming up because I, I fought for the UBO. This is when I fought for the UBO International. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, we started. I was, so we started our camp. Had my dad. I had my dad coming here at the works every day to 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 train me. And uh, it's it's been interesting having him in my corner. Uh, it's, it's interesting and funny at the same time. I was I was I'd be sitting there listening to him, and I'm like in between rounds of my last fight, in between the rounds when I fought for the UBO International. I'm like, man, I can't believe you're in my corner right now. <laughs> oh wow! Oh wow! He's like, what? He's like. Man, you he, forget that. You need to throw your jab more. I'm like, man, that, I got this. <laughs> I got this. This dude, I already figured this dude out. But I'm still laughing that you're my. And then the bell rings. He's like, oh yeah, you gotta get out. Yeah, my my bad. Let me go finish this off. We'll talk later. <laughs> I love so that. now That's I'm like, my dad's story. in my corner. My dad's in my corner for my first world title. I'm like, man, so mind blown. So my dad's like, no, this is exciting, yeah, but we got to get to work. This has now been eight weeks, six or seven weeks. I don't know. This camp has been so long. I think it's like seven, eight weeks now we've been training. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, this is the eighth week. Yeah, so it's been seven weeks. This is the eighth week. Man, my goodness. Uh, my dad, man, like he's been kicking my butt every day, and then he tells okay. me, he's like, "Yo, did you run? No. Well, you need to go run, and then you go train, and then you ain't gonna get no break." I'm like, "Oh man," I was like, "You know, you're the only one that can talk to me like that because you're my dad." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing, Dad. That's a good thing. Yeah, it is. He can stay, is, on, he can stay on you and keep you moving, keep you doing what you're supposed to. I love it. I love yeah, most it. definitely. Yeah, and then, like, now we, 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 we're the A-side. I'm being the A-side fighting for a world title, and my dad's in my corner. He's like, he's like, no, we're going to keep pushing. You're going to keep pushing. He texted me this morning. He's like, you run? Yep, just got done. Yep. Okay. He's like, all right, good. Four o'clock. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the, he's like, this is the last week. We're all going to die in the gym. And he's like, no, I, I'm like, all right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, it cooled yeah, off just it. a little bit for you. <laughs> I don't get, I don't, this is my last hard week, and I ain't even getting no break. He's like, no, nah, you don't get no break. <laughs> You get you get tortured. 
He was like, you know, and then he told me, he told me, he's like, you're the one that told me to get in your corner. Because Danny, he's like, it's your fault. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Yeah. So he like, he's like, he looks at, he looked at my opponent one time. Man, this dude crazy as heck. I'm like, he looked at, he looked at my opponent one time. And he's like, all right, show, you showed me the first round. Now show me the, you showed me the fourth round. All right, he looks kind of slow. All right, let me see what he looks like on the sixth round. All right, that's all I need to see. I'm like, what? So yeah, I know how to beat him. Now I'm I'm talking about this dude. He ain't got no boxing experience, no nothing. It, you know, my dad ain't. He 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 was a boxer. He had he had a little bit of boxing experience, like a long long time ago, but. He ain't never do anything. He ain't never do nothing with it, you know. So I'm like, what? Like you should be studying him. I'm like, because that's what that's what I was taught in boxing. Like you know, you study your opponent. He's like, yeah, but he ain't gonna fight like that. You don't know how he's gonna fight. Like if he fights like that, I know it's not gonna last three rounds. But if he changes up his style a little bit, you, we still gotta figure him out. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. right. Well, bring your wisdom then, old man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you mentioned your opponent. So you face veteran Southpaw Rodrigo Guerrero, who has a record of, I believe it's 26-12-2 with 16 KOs. So what do you know about him, and what so far that you've seen is the biggest challenge that he presents to you? Man, I looked at him. Because my dad told me to look him up, so I looked him up. We, he told me that, look at him. He, the first round, the, the, he looked at him the few rounds and then just stopped looking at him. So I was like, man, I'm going to I'm gonna check him out. So I checked him out when he fought, when he fought for his world title. He was he's a he had a world championship too. He had fought for let's see here. I'ma look him up real quick. He got the he had gotten the he beat a Raul Martinez twenty eight and one. He stopped him in the sixth round for the vacant IBF world um superfly title. I'm like, all right, so I had to check that fight out because, you know, he just won a world title. I checked it out. So the what I would say is what what I would say that I've been working on more than anything is the dude likes to switch up to right hand and throw an overhand right. Mm. So it, he'll fight. He'll start off southpaw. He'll start. He'll, he's the, he, every time I've seen him on a few. I've seen a couple of his fights now. Uh, yeah, cause I, I enjoy watching other fighters and stuff. It's kind of cool. So I'm like, all right, I'll take my own fighter out. He 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 likes to switch up a lot. And okay. when, he switches, oh, when he switches up, when he switches up, he likes that overhand right, and he'll come in with, like, a, a, one of those, it's like a, one, a, I guess you would call it a looping left hook. Because he's southpaw, I'm guessing my my guess he he likes to switch up so he can have that that strong hand in front. 
Gotcha. Instead of having it on the back. So that would be like my only my only thing to look out for is his overhand right and that left hook when he changes. Um other than that, uh he's got good boxing, he's got a nice little jab. But okay. mine's gonna be better. Okay. All right. Well, so what's the biggest asset that you bring into this fight which makes you confident that on August 14th you'll become a world champion? That pressure, my pressure is crazy. I got crazy pressure. And and once I get in the inside and start to break them down, it's going to be it, – it, it, my my right – my lead uppercut is probably going to be one of the ones that's going to hurt him. He okay. likes because he likes he, he once he slows down. I seen when he slows down, he likes to stay in the inside. You know the whole Mexican style type fight. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah. He once he starts, it's gonna be a wrap for him because that right my my lead uppercut is gonna tear him up. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's what I'm I, thinking. I, anyways, you know, it could it could change too. But that I, I'm uh, I, I I always lean towards my uppercuts because that's really what hurts a lot of people. Okay. All right. Well, on August 14th, we renew the uh, the Mexican Puerto Rican rivalry, boxing rivalry, which is rich in tradition. <laughs> so you get a chance. So how can fans, old and new, watch your fight on August 14th? Well, if they want to watch my fight on pay-per-view, it's on uh, Baby Don, B-A-B-Y-D-O-N dot TV. And if they want to do the in-person tickets, if you want to come to the Georgia, uh, it's, at the, it's going to be at the Georgia World Congress Center in Atlanta. Man, I'm about to fight. Oh, this is crazy. I'm going to be on a nice big stage. Yes. It's, uh, in-person tickets is going to be on Eventbrite. You search uh, Battle of the South 2. Mm-hmm. And um, if anybody got any questions, you go to my Facebook at The Holy Fire. And Perfect. you could you could even go onto my website on www.teamholyfire.com, and all the information is also there, present, ready. Okay. All right. All right. One more shameless plug. I need you to brag on yourself, your current titles, your upcoming world title fight, and how they can follow you on social media. I like it. I, I got to brag. Yeah. I'm Noel Echeverria. My record right, is, right, come I'll on, brag, give it I'll to brag. him. Give it to him. Hey, so, uh, all right. So, you know, I got I got it a little, these little, these little off-brand titles right now, but, you know, they're titles. But once, once the world sees me on the stage, Noel, the Holy Fire. You can follow me at Facebook on Facebook at the Holy Fire on and Instagram at Noel One and Only, or you could go to my subscribe to my um, my website at www.teamholyfire.com, and the world kind of knows about me. They know about me on my old my old me, but they don't know my new me. And once this new me comes out and they see it, everybody at 135, at 135 pounds, that 
they're gonna they're gonna have to they're gonna have to see me, whether they like it or not. That uh, once I get to the once I get this little world title, this little world title, you know, I'm coming for all of them, Mister. Uh, what they call him, Devin Haney, Tank, and Loma, all these all these dudes. They ain't seen nobody like the Holy Fire. Oh, it's coming. It's coming, and this start right here. This is it's the 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 birth of a of a new of a new child. I love it. I love it. Well, Noel, the Holy Fire, Echeverria, you have a fantastic story, and best of luck to you on August fourteenth, and bringing that world title back to North Carolina. That'll be a huge thing. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story on the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. And, again, I'm I'm a fan, and I look forward to what you're going to do in the future. <laughs> thank you so much, Chris, and thank you for having me, man. God bless you, and God bless everybody that supports those that have negative thoughts or positive thoughts. They're all supporters. So, you know, and and to the fans that really do support, especially you, yourself, Chris, man, I really appreciate it, bro. God bless you, man.